Hey everybody, welcome to Kern Talks, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church's podcast, where we revisit the message from this week's church service. I'm Chris DeCue, the worship leader and producer at Kern Church. We know you're busy and maybe don't have time to watch the video for a whole service. Well, we got you covered with Kern Talks. With that said, let's hear Reverend Jim Bale's message from Sunday, January 30th. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Welcome. Welcome to worship with Kern Memorial United Methodist Church in Oak Ridge. I am Jim Bales, previous senior minister and currently interim pastor, and we welcome you to this time of worship and praise. Our call to worship from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of God's name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Let us worship the Lord. From the Old Testament, I'll be reading Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim to me, having in his hand a burning coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sins are forgiven. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Then from the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This has been the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. People need the Lord. 
People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. When we, will we realize that people need the Lord? So very true. So true since creation. As we human beings were created by God for God, God who is love, God's love is to be expressed and shared and we as his creations are part of the recipients of, of God's love. Augustine said centuries ago, he said, My heart was restless until it found its rest in thee, O, o Lord. Descartes said that there is a God-shaped blank in the heart of every individual. People need the Lord. Yet also, from today's scripture readings, it's almost as if we could say, the Lord also needs people. Not in the same way, of course, not on the same level, of course. But it seems obvious from these readings and others that the Lord needs people. Isaiah 6, this incredible moment that seems to encapture the God experience of so many of us if we would reflect on it. Isaiah finds himself with a vision of God, looking up at God enthroned, God surrounded by the heavenly creatures, the flying, singing heavenly creatures, saying, holy, holy, holy. Holy, absolutely one of the best words to describe God. Holy, set apart, extraordinary, unlike any other. A moment of heavenly glory. God's glory for Isaiah exposes his own lack of holiness. And Isaiah confesses, oh, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I am part of a people of unclean lips. In this scene of the high, holy, perfect God, and right before him is lowly, imperfect, unholy Isaiah. But yet the scene continues. This incredible scene of one of those heavenly creatures flying to the, the altar and, and taking a burning coal and, and bringing it and touching Isaiah's uh, lips and with these uh, incredible words of, of grace and mercy and that now that this has touched your lips, the seraph says, 
Your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. God's holiness, Isaiah's lack of holiness, God's grace, always, always God's grace. But then, the moment continues. And the high holy God has a couple of questions. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? God has something to be done. God has a purpose, a mission. And God needs servants. God needs people to carry out God's mission. Whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? And Isaiah is there. And we may often picture Isaiah among a whole host of people. But if we read carefully, Isaiah seems to be the only human there. And God is asking, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah is there and Isaiah may have, have looked around and and seeing no one else there. And Isaiah seems to think that God is speaking to him and calling him. And Isaiah, imperfect Isaiah, newly, completely redeemed Isaiah, says, here am I. Here am I, send me. And God did. And Isaiah fulfilled God's mission to God's glory and to our betterment. And God's question, obviously, rings through the ages. Whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? And we know, may God grant us the Judeo-Christian memory that there have been those persons, person after person, in their own ways who have said, here am I, Lord, send me. We think of the incredible stories like Mother Teresa, you know, already a nun, but on that day on a train, her God calling her specifically to serve the poor, the poorest of the poor. And so she moves into the streets of Calcutta, India, and her sainted uh, ministry is, is history. Closer to home, it was Greenville, Tennessee in 1896. There was a Methodist minister's wife, Mrs. E.E. E. Wiley Sr., who heard of, of a child, an orphaned child, then with no place to go. Then she heard of other children with no place to go. And God called, and Elizabeth Wiley said, Here am I, Lord, send me. 
And Mrs. Wiley took in that first child, then other children. And always among God's work, usually it requires others. And she began reaching out and reaching out and getting support, getting support, and hosting the United Methodist Home for Children was born. 126 uh, years ago, and it continues. And that you know, Houston, home needs our prayers. It also needs you know, our voice as well as our uh, support. And there are you know, other stories coming uh, you know, down through the years closer to home. Last weekend, our United Methodist Youth and Leaders and Volunteers were at the Houston Conference Resurrection event. Back almost 40 years ago now, a small group of young United Methodist pastors would meet regularly, and one of them and then another one heard God calling that there needed to be a winter youth gathering, uh, an evangelistic and, and witness gathering of host and conference youth. And so resurrection was created from the hearts of those few individuals. And again, as always, uh, taking it on themselves, they had to reach out, and they did reach out. And they found support, church support, individual support. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. It was taken on willingly by the, the hosting conference, and that not long ago, Resurrection was the single largest weekend youth ministry event in the United States. Last weekend, there were 29 youth and their workers from Kern Memorial Church among the 150 groups there. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And that small group said, here I am, here we are, send us. And closer to home. Almost exactly two years ago, we remember that COVID hit. And we remember that we as United Methodists of the Hosting Conference, that we were directed by Bishop Taylor and her, her large and informed COVID advisory group, that we were directed not to have in-person worship or uh, in-person activities. That one individual and, and that group you know, took it upon themselves and, and all of the heat that ensued for you know, our protection. And so churches were, were left, uh, what do we do? You know, you know, how do we keep going, including you know, how do we worship? A few churches had uh, online worship, but most uh, did not. But there was a group. Uh, there was a small group and a particular church that in 
two weeks from ground zero formed and produced online worship. That church happened to have a, a senior minister whose college major was video production. That church happened to have a, a couple of active church leaders that had been um, college DJs, one back in the days of Elvis and the Beatles. That, that church happened to have a, a, a number of people with, uh, with technical skills and a technical uh, knowledge and, and interest, others with uh, musical ability. And within two weeks, this very online service was created. And our previous pastor, Reverend Donna Hester, and the, the technical team and musicians you know, heard God saying, whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? And a group said, here we are. You know, here we are. Send us. And as usually is the case, uh, such a, a new ministry is a start. And it continues and, and continues. And we have found it in these two years in well nigh every church that there is a, a large online congregation and that many people are um, immunocompromised and, and others have found online worship is uh, their thing, um, your thing, and that online worship is uh, growing and, and continuing and, and current church uh, is about to step out in ways seeking to, uh, to, to relate with you and find ways and people that, that, that you can chat and that, that we can uh, you know, follow up and, that this truly is a congregation. And there were those who heard God looking at them and calling their hearts and said, here I am, here we are, send us. What about you? What about me? What about us? What about now? And then Jesus. We find Jesus in this incredible moment in, in John 20. It's the risen Jesus. The book of Acts tells us that the risen Christ appeared for 40 days before his ascension to the Father. And that Jesus spent these 40 days appearing to a few, then to more and more and more, as Paul tells us. And Jesus spent continuing his love and grace and, and mercy, and especially in the various versions of what we call the Great Commission. And here in John's Gospel, we find Jesus with the disciples. And Jesus says, you know, peace be with you. And Jesus breathes upon them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, and then Christ says, 
as the Father has sent me, so I, disciples, am sending you. As the Father has sent me, and Jesus was always so aware and so accepting and so obedient to God's call. Jesus knew his identity. Jesus knew his mission. But just as the people needed Jesus the Lord, that Jesus the Lord, even the risen Lord, needed people. And so Jesus called them, Jesus called others. Ten days later, after the ascension, it's called the birth of the church as God sends God's Holy Spirit upon the church and the church come together and the church is born and the church as the body of Christ continued to this day and forever continues the work of Jesus Christ in the world. Because there were those, there are those, by the grace of God, there will be those. He said, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. A story of just one church and some really... Uh, changing difficult times it was 1968, an absolutely tragic year in American history. With Vietnam still going on, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in, in April, the killing of Bobby Kennedy in June, the uh, urban um, unrest, the incredible interracial tensions and, uh, and violence. In 1968, the United Methodist Church was formed. The church we are now is the product of the merger of the former Methodist Church and the former EUB or Evangelical United Brethren Church. But also in 1968 came the uh, dissolving at last of what the United Methodist Church called the central jurisdiction that for decades that all of the predominantly black African-American congregations were segregated together in their own jurisdictions, their own annual conferences, their own bishops, their own churches. But in 1968, the United Methodist Church at long last felt there should be inclusion. And it happened. And the black bishops became full bishops in the United Methodist Church. The uh, churches were brought into the existing um, annual conferences. And that was a, a major step uh, for the church. So long, long overdue. 
1968. Houston Conference was assigned one of the African-American bishops, Bishop L. Scott Allen, uh, Jr. And Bishop Allen, uh, knowing that a lot more needed to happen, so he began working with others to have an interracial ministerial appointment that uh, his first thought was for a black pastor to be appointed to a, a predominantly uh, white church. And, and down the road, uh, there would be, and there are, white pastors that have been uh, appointed to predominantly African-American churches. And so Bishop L. Scott Allen, who ordained me twice, started praying over and working on and thinking about the... And remember, those were some really racially wrought days in 1968 following, as they are now, to identify that single pastor and especially to identify that single church that would have the heart, the soul the understanding of Jesus to receive willingly, gladly the first interracial ministerial appointment in the history of the Houston Conference. And I think either the first or among the very first in the entire southeastern jurisdiction. That pastor identified was the young pastor Reverend Walter Willis serving as a Sunday school editor for United Methodist Resources in Nashville, Tennessee a native of Alabama a friend of Martin Luther King Jr. and Ralph David Abernathy in his younger days. The congregation that was approached was Kern Memorial United Methodist Church in Oak Ridge. That historic appointment did not just happen. And the conference had repeated conversations with Kern Memorial Church. Well, I was here before. A couple of folks were, were in on those, uh, those conversations. And, and God was obviously calling, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Who will do this? And Kerr Memorial Church said, Here we are. Here we are. Send us. But Bishop Allen and the Holy Spirit had to deal with that young uh, Walter Willis and his obvious reluctance and trepidations, wondering if, if he was up to such a step, 
especially um, concerned about uh, moving his family from Nashville to, um, to Oak Ridge and moving into a, a, a white neighborhood and uh, you know, what would life be like? Reverend Willis wrote in his memoirs, My Jersey, Lord, what do you want me to do? A reply came instantly. The invitation is the call. I did not hesitate from that morning on. I sincerely believe that accepting the pastorate as current memorial in Oak Ridge was God's will for my life. And everyone that has had anything to do with Reverend Willis or Kerr Memorial Church or the Holston Conference or the General United Methodist Church affirms Walter's statement. I remember that appointment in 1971. I had just graduated from the University of Tennessee. Diane and I got married that summer. We headed to a seminary at, uh, at Duke. I studied, Diane worked. And I remember being disillusioned by some racism in, in my home church and some racism uh, out among some of I consider to be, I thought were great people in some great United Methodist churches. And I remember hearing about disappointment and what an inspiration what an an impact upon me as i was entering and in seminary and three years later i happened to be appointed right down the road 30 minutes away to um, lake city tennessee and and to be able uh, to have a, a year inside the district to experience walter willis and to experience uh current church This past uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, I happened to visit Walter and, uh, and Joyce, and I had just completed this part of the, of the message and just shown it in the office to um, one of our church members, and I say, see this WW there? That means Walter Willis and not Woodrow Wilson. But I was visiting Walter and his son Henry was there, and Henry's wife. I have not seen Henry in maybe 35 to 40 years. So I got close to Walter, and I told him about this message. And I told him about the ending of, of this message. And, and Walter said, as he teared up, the invitation is to call. I did not hesitate from that moment on. And Walter and Joyce and family are going to be watching this. And Walter and Joyce, how we love you. 
And Walter, we thank God that you said, here I am, send me. We thank God that at this point in your life you chose to uh, return to Oak Ridge, that you have chosen Kern Memorial as your church. We thank God that Kern Memorial Church has named you our pastor emeritus. And church, Kern Memorial Church, this is our history. This is our heritage. This, to everyone's, is one of the high moments of this church's history, or it could have been any church's history. A reminder of, of who we really are, of who we were at that point in time, and who we are called to be now and and in to the future. Walter and Kern, Jesus and glory. Oh, we people need the Lord. Oh, how we need the Lord. But incredibly, in God's providence, the Lord also needs us. I have loved to share, God says. Whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I send you. And what about it? Here and now. You, me, us all. What about it? May we pray. Gracious God, we worship and we pray. Probably all of us of having real moments when we have felt your call and your claim upon our lives. And as church, wherever we happen to be in church, that we have the deep down faith that, that you were calling and beckoning and sending whether we heard or not, whether we obeyed or not, whether we lived up to, or, to it or acted like it or not. And gracious God, as each moment is holy to you as the present and the future are so holy to you grant to us as individuals as groups as church to hear your call to respond to your call in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a privilege it is to be disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to be church, 
part of the church historic, the church universal. And as just one part of the body of Christ, the privilege of being part of Kern Memorial United Methodist Church in Oak Ridge. And on behalf of Kern Memorial Church, we thank you for joining us for this time of worship. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit bless you always. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.